Zach Clancy is a professional engineer with a background in project management. He has a passion for innovation and is constantly seeking to pioneer new processes and methodologies in the aerial application space. As the director of ground operations, Matters responsible for the field operations, fire support, research, and GIS teams at Forest Protection Limited. Additionally, he and his team plan and execute aerial application programs. Since 1952, Forest Protection Limited has had the mandate to preserve and protect the forests that sustain our ecosystems, our communities, and our economies. They are a global leader in full-spectrum forest health management. Matt sat down with me to get a deeper dive into what forest protection does. Matt, why don't we start with uh, you talking to us about uh, your story? Sure, thanks. So I'm the I'm the director of ground operations at Forest Protection Limited in Fredericton. Uh, and we are a company that has been around for about 70 years doing forest health management in New Brunswick. Uh, we, we were originally started in 1952 uh, doing a spruce budworm program when there was an infestation uh, in northern New Brunswick that, that threatened not only the pulp and paper industries, but also sort of just the general uh, Acadian forest habitat of, of northern New Brunswick. And since then, uh, we've been operating in that same space, both providing uh, aerial firefighting to the province of New Brunswick. Uh, we've done, we've continued to do spruce budworm programs, both in New Brunswick and outside of New Brunswick. Uh, we've done a ton of, of research advance, advancing the, the technologies that we use and have really prided ourselves in becoming sort of the, the center of, of, of excellence for, um, not only aerial firefighting, but but also uh, aerial treatment and aerial application of pesticides. So what's your role and how did uh, you come to join Forest Protection Limited? Uh, so I, I came to FPL uh, a little over a year ago. So I was I spent 12 years in the Canadian Armed Forces as an engineer officer. Uh, and I, I ended my time in the forces in about March of last year. And I was really looking for a cool new opportunity. Um, it's one of those things where not only was I switching industries, but I was also switching uh, sort of environments, going from the public sector to the private sector is a big leap. And I didn't really have a solid intention set. Um, I didn't have uh, a specific industry. I kind of thought I wanted to go into engineering because my background is engineering and I'm a professional engineer. But really what I enjoy doing is, is project management and working with people. Um, I was extremely fortunate that I happened to be in the right place at the right time and the opportunity to join FPL uh, came before me. And uh, it, it was one of those things that kind of seemed too good to be true. Uh, and, and, I, and I just got really fortunate. I interviewed with, uh, with Steve Hansen, the managing director and, and Scott Bentley, our, our chief of staff. Um, I managed to make a suitable impression, I suppose, and, and ended up in, in this role. Uh, and the role is, is really interesting as well. So our department ground operations within FPL is one of the, the sort of four departments within the company. So we've got flight operations that owns all of the aircraft, uh, maintenance or sorry, yeah, maintenance and logistics, which is responsible for all of the support to those aircraft and ensuring that they're properly maintained. They have a team of uh, air maintenance engineers, uh, licensed air maintenance engineers that are absolute uh, 
uh, heroes at what they do. I mean, we, we don't have aircraft down for serviceability issues. It's incredible. Uh, we have a finance administration department, um, which is obviously key to the smooth operation of, of any industry. And then lastly, mine uh, of ground operations. Ground operations is really neat um, because we provide a lot of the support activities that all of the all of the other agencies or sorry, all of the other sections within FPL need to to operate. So um, within my team, there's a, a field operations section. So those are the folks that um, run all of the uh, equipment that we use in like pesticide pits. So we call them pits, but the, the tanks and pumps and meters and all of that stuff. They also do all of our field work. Uh, if we have to go out and post signage or a notification or anything like that. We have a uh, research support operations team. So FPL is partnered with uh, the Canadian Forestry Service and, uh, sorry, the Canadian Forestry Service, which is part of natural, Natural Resources Canada um, through a group called the Healthy Forest Partnership that I'll speak about a little bit later. But on our team, we have a postdoctoral spruce budworm researcher and then uh, a number of research assistants that come in every year to help support that research throughout Atlantic Canada. Uh, it's a really unique partnership between us and the federal and provincial agencies that enable us to support the research that they're doing um, while being at, at arm's length from that research. There's no like industry influence on it. We have a geomatics team within the company. Uh, so they are really the, the planning heart of our aerial treatment programs. It's really important in any industry, but especially in aerial treatment, especially in an environment where we're using pesticides that we are hyper accurate, right? The products that we use are safe. They're licensed by uh, Health Canada. They're, there's, we really don't have any concerns about them. But whether you have concerns or not, if you're doing an aerial treatment program or you're doing aerial firefighting, you have to be extremely accurate because you're, you're operating in a space where there are uh, members of the public, there are bodies of water, there, there's any number of things that, that were we to operate in a reckless or not well-planned manner, we could, we could do some serious harm. Um, the part of the organization that makes sure that that doesn't happen is our, is our geomatics department. Uh, and they are, they're fantastic. And then the last section within the department is uh, what we call fire support operations. So my, my superintendent of fire support operations and her team are responsible for loading all of the aircraft for aerial firefighting. So um, we provide uh, all of the, the aircraft that do aerial firefighting, so water bombing in New Brunswick. Um, and the team that, that does that belongs to my department. So basically they load the aircraft in Fredericton and then if we're gonna use one of the other 11 reload bases that are located throughout the province of New Brunswick, they actually get in an aircraft and fly to that reload base, set it up, run the hoses. Uh, and they're really a critical part of how we're able to have such an effective aerial firefighting force in the province. Um, because it's awesome. We can respond anywhere in New Brunswick within 45 minutes from our base in Fredericton. But as you can imagine, if you drop a load and you have to commute back 45 minutes to fly there again, 45 minutes, that's 90 minutes between loads. Well, we have an incredible infrastructure of 11 air bases um, owned by the province that, that we operate for, for fire response uh, that allow us to respond to most fires, like our, our turnaround time can be sub 20 minutes. It's really quite incredible. And, and those folks are key to that. They get in the aircraft um, as if it were their fire truck. They fly to the airport, they land, they set up the pumps, set up the hoses. And then after the pilots drop their first load, they're able to land, reload with water, fire retardant, foam, whatever it is, and keep going. So those are the, the four teams. 
I assume uh, as well, there has to be a lot of preparation in hand for looking ahead, knowing what the summer season is going to bring. And I would, um, I would imagine your team is, is well on top of and prepared for that, those types of scenarios as well. Yeah. Yeah. They, they truly are. So the, um, the four superintendents that run those, those uh, sections or, or teams um, are in every sense of the word uh, project managers. They have to, they have to forecast, they have to think out, they have to plan. Um, they, in this industry, you can't be reactionary, whether it's fires, um, whether it is um, uh, insect outbreaks, regardless of the program, um, being reactionary means you're too late. So it means we have to have all the assets and everything set up in place, ready to go. And, and that requires a lot of working with, with external agencies. I mean, when we talk about, we talk about spruce budworm, uh, the insect that, that has the potential to devastate sort of Atlantic Canadian forests and is doing so in Quebec right now with close to 13 million hectares of defoliation. For reference, New Brunswick only has 5.5 million hectares of land. So it's a massive area. Um, but we work with partners with that. Uh, the, the province of New Brunswick has 2,000 sample sites uh, and our research team has several hundred sample sites set up throughout New Brunswick where we're able to monitor those insects. That type of planning and that type of forecasting is what enables us to, uh, rather than having a, a million hectare program like Quebec has this year, we have a 17,000 hectare program in New Brunswick because we're able to identify where, uh, where the insects are and, and be reactive, or sorry, be proactive, not reactive. Because when you're reactive, it just spirals out of control like um, any pandemic as we've seen over the last couple of years. We have a really fantastic uh, integration with the province of New Brunswick, whether that's with the provincial fire center or it's with the forest, man forest health management folks. Um, and that's really highlighted, I think, specifically in a spruce budworm context with an organization called the Healthy Forest Partnership. Uh, the Healthy Forest Partnership is, is a joint organization um, that is really unique in that it brings the federal government uh, the provincial governments of Atlantic Canada and Maine, uh, as well as I believe six universities and then industry together in a collaborative, uh, a collaborative environment, which as you can imagine is difficult to get all those people on the same page in the same room. Um, and, and that collaboration and that joint sort of operating environment um, is really what, what enables the success of, of our budworm programs. Um, and, and the same thing goes with fire. If we were just some random company that you called to get an aircraft to come in whenever, uh, we would never be able to react as fast and as effectively as we do in New Brunswick. Um, we, there are provincial air attack officers that sit in the right seat of our, our bird dog aircrafts that are going out and they're surveying the fires and they're planning them and executing them and they're directing FBL aircraft in that process. Uh, in fact, something that we're really proud of is about two weeks ago now, the first ever uh, New Brunswick uh, fire service long service medals were awarded to non-fire service personnel and they were awarded to uh, three pilots at, at Forest Protection Limited. So we're, we're really proud of that. And, and it, it's, it goes to show that although it, it's sometimes easy to think of ourselves as just another company, we're really an integrated part of that emergency service within the province of New Brunswick. Collaboration and partnership sounds like it's critically important and, and plays a role in everyday life uh, for your team. Um, when you talked a lot about uh, at the beginning, um, you guys 
are not only doing a ton of research, but you're working with organizations with, with research um, and other things. Have you guys been collaborating with the post-secondary uh, educational institutions with a lot of this stuff as well? Yeah, so um, the majority of the research that we participate in uh, takes place out of the Canadian Forest Service uh, Center at the Hugh John Fleming Center in, in Fredericton. Uh, we do have some initiatives that are ongoing with um, uh, Katie University and their, their research forest. Uh, but primarily the work that we do is with, is with uh, CFS and the folks that are there. So there are a number of projects within um, the early intervention strategy uh, that, that we support through there. And I guess I should explain what the early intervention strategy is. So when we talk about, <clears throat> when we talk about spruce budworm, uh, the mentality in, in, in the past and historically has been to react. Um, and that is what we see happening in other jurisdictions. In Atlantic Canada, we've identified this as a huge threat to, to our industry, right? I mean, there are close to 25,000 jobs in the province of New Brunswick that are just directly related to the forestry industry, not to mention all the indirect ones. Um, the forest being devastated in this province would be, would be, uh, catastrophic and not just catastrophic from an industry perspective, but we also, I think we're a province that takes a lot of pride in uh, living and, and enjoying the outdoors, whether it's, it's fishing or hiking or skiing or, or uh, ATVing or whatever it is that folks do. We, we have this big, beautiful province that is predominantly empty and we're extremely fortunate that most of that empty area is crown land. So we can, all of us, whenever we want, can go use it for whatever we want to use it for, as long as we leave it in the state that we found it in. Yeah, so the, the early intervention strategy um, is, is a framework that is used to address spruce budworm outbreaks in Atlantic Canada before they can get too big. Now, it's important to understand what the spruce budworm is, right? And first and foremost, it's, it's not an invasive species. It is a species of insect that is perfectly natural to Atlantic Canada. Um, it is a core part of the ecosystem. Uh, it needs to be given an opportunity to live. It needs to follow its own life cycle because as in you know, the 21st century, we're well aware that eradicating something from an environment is as bad as introducing it. However, the spruce budworm goes through a cycle every 20 or 40 years where it will hit outbreak. Uh, it will hit sort of epidemic level, um, what we would call an infestation. When it hits infestation levels, it will eat the forest to death. Um, so below a certain threshold, it won't explode. Once it crosses that threshold, uh, the population just absolutely explode and, and we see devastation like we're seeing in, in uh, like I said, in some other jurisdictions. The early intervention strategy is that joint program as part, uh, led by the, the Healthy Forest Partnership and with Forest Protection Limited as the, the lead industry proponent that seeks to locate areas where the insect is starting to get above a certain threshold target them and bring those numbers down. So that gets to what I was talking about before where um, we need to keep those numbers down. We need to manage them. We need to avoid an outbreak because we just don't have enough space in New Brunswick to be in a situation where we lose a million hectares or 2 million hectares of forest uh, to an insect, uh, an insect outbreak. And, and a big part of the early intervention strategy are the research projects that go along with it. There are over 20 research projects uh, throughout Atlantic Canada that are sponsored by the early intervention strategy in one form or another. Um, some of those Forest Protection Limited is closer to than others, uh, specifically within, within FPL. 
uh, were supporting um, research into the effects on watersheds of aerial treatment programs. We're looking at best management practices for aerial treatment programs. So can we use less uh, insecticide? Can we use different variations, different combinations? Um, and what are the non-target uh, non-target effects? So you know, it's I think it's pretty unique to be a, a company that operates in the aerial treatment space that does uh, does pest management work, where we're supporting at arm's length uh, research into non-target species effects. It's unique that that we do that, and and within within ground operations, so within my department. Um, that is one of the things that we're responsible for. We're responsible for the aerial treatment programs, whether they are in New Brunswick or programs that we're doing in Newfoundland or new programs that we're starting this year in, in Ontario, all programs that are on behalf of provincial governments as the clients. Um, we're actively supporting research to ensure that those projects and those programs are safe. Uh, they're safe for the, the local flora and fauna and they're safe for folks that wanna use those areas. And, that, and that's, you, you've talked a lot about this and it really gives perspective because you're, it's in your name, protection. Mm-hmm. Um, you're there to protect. And I think sometimes when we're thinking protection is to prevent uh, evasive or uh, fire, just things that could harm, but it's not just about protecting. It's about ensuring that the area is healthy so that you talked about the budworms you're not looking to eradicate the budworms. You're looking to ensure that everything is in a livable environment and can stay safe and, and healthy and, and so on and so forth. It sounds like your organization puts a lot of work into that. We do. Um, and, and we take a lot of pride in that. Like we, we don't, we don't, the, the name of Forest Protection Limited isn't, isn't just a, a, a good PR move, although I think it is a great name. Uh, it's, it's genuinely really important to us. I mean, if you talk to the folks that are on my team, um, we all spend time in the woods in New Brunswick. I, I, to, to an individual on the team, they will tell you that one of the things that they love about, uh, about New Brunswick is that it's so accessible. There's so many things to do uh, being outside. You know, my, uh, I've got folks that, that hunt and that fish and that hike and camp and do all sorts of things. Um, we're really passionate about it. It's it. To be frank, it, it's it's not super fun to be working in an area that you're not passionate about, um, and we're we're really privileged that we're able to be actively doing work that we are confident is making a difference in a landscape that we really care about. Uh, and and I know I haven't spoken much about fire, but I mean those folks, um, those pilots and, and and ground crew and operations crew that are that are on those fire contracts, they spend a huge part of their summer on standby sitting around waiting to respond to fires and they're willing to give up that time uh, and kind of make that sacrifice, if you will, of their, of their summer to ensure that the rest of us can go out and enjoy the things and do the things that we want to do, right? Because prevention prevention is super important and we need to have good forest fire prevention programs. But at the end of the day, accidents happen. At the end of the day, lightning strikes happen, those fires start. Um, and because of the way that, that FPL has really pioneered the, the quick strike method of of aerial firefighting in New Brunswick, we're able to make sure that those fires don't get big. You know, uh, a thousand hectare fire like Nova Scotia is experiencing right now is is maybe a a once in a summer activity for us. Um, we're able to get there and, and manage them and take care of them before they're able to devastate the area that that's burning. Your website says we are a global leader in full spectrum forest health management. 
what should the community know about your organization that has strengths on a global scale? The first thing that I would say that that is is really important that that folks understand is that forest health management means looking at the entirety of that forest ecosystem. So, you know, I've talked about I've talked about spruce budworm, I've talked about aerial firefighting. What I really haven't talked about is how the two are related, but I'm sure as you can imagine, if you have a couple hundred thousand hectares of trees, um, and I realize a hectare isn't a common unit of measure, but a hundred hectares is a square kilometer, right? So you picture picture downtown Fredericton, that's a, that's about a hectare. Um, but you, you take uh, a couple hundred of those and you kill all the trees that are in it. What have you got? You've got this standing area of, of tinder and just wood that is ready to burn. Because it's before it starts to rot and get wet again, it's gonna get really dry. Um, Forest health management has to be looking at look looking at forest health management has to be looked at holistically. Um, you have to look at the whole thing. You can't. I mean, aerial firefighting is great. Aerial treatment programs are important, but neither of those things in isolation really provides the full picture. If we want to ensure that that uh, the the Acadian forest and, and the woods of New Brunswick are healthy, we need to look at it in sort of that that whole way. Um, and I think from a global perspective. The, the difference that FPL has really made is in integrating that. And then again, in leading the integration of, of industry, provincial and federal governments, as well as research institutions such as universities and the Canadian Forestry Service in looking at these programs from, from that sort of holistic view. Uh, and, and really programs like the early intervention strategy and the way that we do quick strike uh, with, with aerial firefighting uh, is really, I, by and large, unique uh, globally, and it's it's a capability that we are actively looking to to export because we we've seen the value, we've seen how effective it is in New Brunswick, and now we have other jurisdictions coming and asking, hey, how can we do that? Like, how can we replicate that, or how can we apply it in our context to make sure that we're we're safe and can keep our our forests healthy for you know all the different uses? What's something people don't know about you and your team? Something that's probably not super well understood about FPL is that we we operate beyond just uh, just the borders of New Brunswick. So um, we have research programs that extend all through Atlantic Canada. Uh, we do aerial treatment programs that are that occur in um, New Brunswick, in Newfoundland, in Ontario, uh, and we're part of uh, of what's called the CIPSI Compact, which is and a federal agreement of aerial firefighting agencies through the province of New Brunswick uh, that were able to provide aircraft to, to support um, fires basically anywhere in Canada. So these other jurisdictions and other organizations uh, likely come to you for uh, leadership or advice or anything like that? Yeah, exactly. So um, we've done a really good job over the past few years of, of demonstrating that if you have a large scale forestry program, um, we can provide the, the turnkey solution. Uh, we, we, we call it FPL in a box. So we can, um, whether it's GIS solution or project management, or you want project management and aircraft, or you just need ground folks, we can provide all of that. And in the background, we can provide the expertise of having done it in a number of different places in a number of different ways. Uh, and the support administratively to do all of that. Because as you can imagine, and as it should be, um, doing a pesticide program is, is an administratively intense process. 
there's lots of permitting requirements and, and you need to ensure that you're doing everything the right way, um, which, which I 100% agree with. It shouldn't be easy to use pesticides, right? There needs to be, it needs to be diligent, it needs to be direct, it needs to be well thought out. So uh, what's, what's nice with us, and, and I think what, where we've really set ourselves apart in the industry, at least from an aerial treatment side, is that we're able to come in, look at the problem, and tailor a solution to that problem. Uh, likewise, on the fire side, we've, able to, we've been able to demonstrate that um, we're able to do more, more with less. So, you know, for the, um, a fraction of the price of a, a huge CL-415, you know, the scooping aircraft, we can come in with, with three of our air tractors that have, an that have a, a bigger capacity than uh, the single CL-415 and uh, provide as effective or more effective of a solution. So it's really that, that precision and that flexibility, I think, that has, has set us apart um, and has resulted in, in other jurisdictions, uh, you know, seeking out our guidance in, in some of these areas. Now, you are right on Lincoln Road here in the uh, Fredericton region. Um, how are you working with the local community? Oh, so we've, we've got some really cool programs um, throughout New Brunswick and, and across Canada. So just to go through a few, um, first off, we have a, a women in the, the Xavier Morales Women in Aviation Sponsorship uh, or Scholarship, sorry, which is currently open. So if, if anyone, anyone listening is interested in that, they're welcome to go to our, our website and check it out. Um, but aviation, there's a global shortage of, of pilots um, in air maintenance engineers. Um, and aviation is only about 4.5 or pilots, sorry, uh, only about 4.5% of professional pilots are, are women. Um, so we've, we've got a shortage of pilots in one hand and half the population of the world that we aren't tapping into for pilots, right? Um, and and I, I think we can all agree, I'll, I'll steal this uh, from the military, but, but diversity is our strength, right? When you have different perspectives and you have different life experiences within the same organization, you really get more out of it. So the, the Women in Aviation sponsorship is, is our small contribution to that, to trying to encourage um, a big sector of the population that, that you know, it's, this is not, it doesn't need to be just men in this space. And, and in fact, our, uh, our director of flight operations, so the, the lead aviation person at, at FPL, uh, Heather Fenn, is an ex-Royal uh, Canadian Air Force helicopter pilot. Um, so not only do we have the scholarship, but we can show I hope that we demonstrate to to aspiring young female uh, pilots or air maintenance engineers that that you know this is an environment that that will fit you really well, and we'd really like to have you as part of the team. Um, we we sponsor the I may get the name wrong, but the Charlotte New Brunswick Cross Country Ski Club. So we sponsored them for a few years and helped them get a new uh, groomer, which we're really excited about. And we just started a new sponsorship. Um, with uh, a group called Eagles Wings in Portage La Prairie, Manitoba. Um, and, and what they are is a, an indigenous outreach program where they um, encourage, uh, encourage young indigenous folks who may not have been exposed to aviation before to, to get exposed. And they do that through taking them out to see aircraft, doing some ground school stuff, and then getting them actually up to fly. It's a, it's a program that I think is unique in Canada, and it's one that we're really excited to be part of. Additionally, we've, we've sponsored and participated really heavily in, in the opening of the Miramichi Aviation Museum. Uh, FPL has a really long and proud history of, of doing aviation activities outside of uh, or, or from Miramichi. 
And so it was important to us to be involved in that because the, the history of, of aviation in New Brunswick, although folks might not realize it, is, is quite unique and it's quite interesting. And it, it's important to have that history preserved. Um, you, taught, you, you clearly have a, a large impact on the community and that you're staying active within here, uh, here in the region. How do you see ways that the community can support your organization? I mean, I would perhaps reframe the question a, a little bit. Um, and I would say, you know, how can the, the community help support initiatives that we participate in in New Brunswick? Um, because I think we have great community support. Um, we folks are, are excited to see us when we're out. Um, everybody loves to see the aircraft. Uh, I think by and large, uh, the parts of the community that are aware of what we do know that it's important. So I, I think the support the community could give, there, there's two things. Um, one, there's a, a program called the Citizen Science Project that's part of the earlier intervention strategy. It can be found on the uh, Healthy Forest Partnership website. And it allows members of the community to actually get involved in, in spruce budworm tracking, um, which helps us figure out where those budworm have gone so we can, uh, we can be more proactive in our treatment of them. And the other way I think is just to have um, smart and sound uh, to make smart and sound decisions when working or, or having fun in the woods in, in the summer, you know, be aware of what the fire index is in your area, be aware of whether or not you are allowed to burn, um, be smart about what those, what those burns are, because, you know, at, at the end of the day, um, we're all from New Brunswick, we all live in New Brunswick, as much as I like seeing the aircraft take off and go out and do their thing, uh, I'm just as happy to see them sit on the ground, because that means that we don't have any forest fires that are you know, threatening a really key part of our provincial infrastructure. Now, Matt, you've convinced me that your organization is the organization to work for. Now, what are you looking for in somebody? And in addition to that, working for your organization, what would you have to offer them that would be different? So when we look at candidates, uh, I'll quote, I'll quote sort of, uh, I'm not sure if it was Steve Hansen, the managing director, or Scott Bentley, but I'll attribute it to both of them and they can correct me later. Uh, but they both say that, that we hire people, not positions. Um, so the number one thing that will, will get you a position at FPL is being a good culture fit. Uh, I, I can say hands down um, that this is the best culture I've ever worked in in my professional life. Uh, it is an outstanding place to work. I wake up in the morning, I'm happy, I'm energized to go to work and people that I work around uh, are the same. Do we have hard days? Absolutely. Um, but but the, that is the exception. Uh, or I shouldn't say that hard days are the exception, not the rule. Hard days happen, but what FPL does really well is we make hard days enjoyable. Um, and that's really, that's really important for us. Um, you know, when we're looking at candidates, I, I just need folks, you know, primarily that I can rely on. The hours that you're working in emergency response or in a forestry aerial treatment program are irregular. Um, the, uh, the commitments are intense, there is time on the road, but what you get out of it is like a really unique experience. And we have a culture that is such that we spend a lot of time mentoring and developing the people that we have, because I'd rather find somebody good, that's a good culture fit, uh, and put the time and the energy and the resources into mentoring maybe some of the, the 
harder skills, if you will, that they, they may be lacking um, than to just hire somebody that's got a really strong resume, but isn't, isn't a lot of fun. Um, Reed Hastings, who is the, the CEO of Netflix, uh, in his book, No Rules Rules, he's got a rule in there that says no brilliant jerks. Uh, and I, I think that's a really good philosophy. You know, we, I, I want to have the best people 100%, but I'd rather take somebody that is uh, perhaps has less experience or is a little bit less strong if it means they're going to fit well within the team. Well, you mentioned uh, at the beginning that team members, when they're done their job, they're, they're experiencing what they're working in there, whether they're um, hiking, fishing, hunting, et cetera. And to do those things, you have to have an appreciation of the region, of the environment around you. So I think that alone was very telling. I still ask the question, but I think <clears throat> that alone was very telling that if you're going to work in the environment, if you're going to play in the environment, then it's pretty exciting to work in the environment as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the, the, the nature of, of the work is, is such that you spend a lot of time outside. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, that's the best. It's really nice. You know, we, uh, myself and, and the superintendents often joke that, you know, in that sort of February, March timeframe, we all get a little antsy to start getting outside again because we spend our winters in the office doing planning. And then once summer hits, we get to go out and be around the aircraft or be in the woods or go out doing research. You know, um, my, my research support folks, they spend their whole summer, well, the majority of their summer in the woods, uh, getting samples from trees so that they can take them back to the lab and do the analysis on them in the fall and in the winter. Um, but during the summer, they get to spend it on the road all throughout the forest in Northern New Brunswick. So it's really, it's really neat. So Matt, how does your organization fit with the firefighting environment? So we own, uh, currently own 15 aircraft, really excited to have a few more uh, plans sort of down the road. But of those uh, 15 aircraft, I want to get my math right here, uh, 11 are committed uh, throughout the summer to aerial firefighting. So when a fire is spotted, a forest fire is spotted in New Brunswick, uh, the provincial uh, Forest Fire Center, PFFC in Fredericton, uh, basically gives us a call and we'll send up an aircraft to go look for that fire. Once it's spotted, we have two uh, groups of three, what we call tankers. They're the aircraft that actually do the water bombing. Um, they then get dispatched to go out and, and fight those fires. And the shadow crews that I talked about earlier, the fire loaders, they get into a fifth aircraft uh, and they take off and go out to the reload base and get the reload base set up to support. So at any time in New Brunswick, we basically have 11 aircraft that are on call uh, for aerial firefighting, whether it's in a bird dog, um, a support role, or an actual tanker. And then we're able to surge even more aircraft if necessary. We're, we're really proud to be a New Brunswick organization. We're really proud to be based out of Fredericton. We have an incredible set of partners with the Fredericton Airport and the Healthy Forest Partnership and the provincial government uh, and the research universities or sorry, the research institutions and the federal government, we have such an incredible supportive group of partners and we're very proud of all of that. And so it's, it's just really fantastic to, Andrew, to get on here with you and get to speak about the company because we've done, uh, I think we've done really great work for the last seven years, but we've also done an unfortunately good job of being quiet about it. 
Um, and so it's, it's really great to get the chance to sort of speak to what we've done and maybe raise awareness a little bit. And I encourage folks, uh, if they're hearing about us and they think we're interesting, check out the website, see the job postings that we've got available, reach out. Uh, and if you're someone young and you're interested in getting into aviation, um, feel free to, to, to reach out, whether it's, you know, in a project management role or in a, as a pilot or as an air maintenance engineer, um, at the, the, the very least, we can give you some tips of how to get into it. Um, and at the very best, there's scholarships that, that we sponsor that are available out there to support people. So, um, yeah, it's, it's an incredible place to work. It's an incredible organization to be a part of. And it's, it's the very best part is that every project that we participate in, whether it's aerial firefighting or it's GIS stuff or it's aerial treatment, they all matter. Um, so, so that's what's nice is that we actually get to get to be part of projects that matter and, and get to give back and, and contribute to that environment. Matt, I can't thank you enough for uh, joining me today and walking us through Forest Protection Limited. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining. Locked on Local is hosted by Andrew Lockhart. This podcast was produced by Ignite and the music by Tom Cray. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you can find quality podcasts. And if you have a recommendation for a business, feel free to reach out at andrew.lockart at ignitefutterton.com.